You're tuned into the October Recovery Podcast. My name is AJ. I'm not an addiction counselor, specialist, or professional. On this podcast, you'll hear discussion regarding 12-step recovery programs and how they have impacted our lives. However, the podcast is not a promotion or an endorsement of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. The opinions shared on this show are those of the individual speaker. If you or someone you love is suffering from addiction and needs help, call Recovery Centers of America, 1-855-487-9626. The email is recoverycentersofamerica.com. There you will find detox, inpatient, and outpatient services in Danvers, Westminster, Mass., Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. Another recovery option is Banyan Treatment Center, started by pro skateboarder Brendan Novak. Locations are Pennsylvania, Chicago, four locations in Florida, and one in Wilmington, Massachusetts. Also, help with addiction can be found at Foundations Recovery Network at 1-877-714-1318. October Recovery Podcast, Episode 9. God, the first one, the first, the first sign I put my um, eyes on, and it's huge for me. Ego is not your amigo. Ego is not your amigo. That was the first one I just noticed, and I need to notice. I say that often. Ego does damage. Ego is major damage. Let's, um, so this is cool. So... Um, I understand that what we're doing here isn't relevant to a lot of people and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, to us, this is, this is what we need. And, um, what, a, like blessing gift, it's, it's, um, grace, like, the grace that is put upon us this mm-hmm. morning. Like, I can feel it. Great. I hear you 100%. I say, I say this, some, I say this sometimes <clears throat> when I share, you know, I, I walk through life now with grace and dignity. Um, unlike before, years before, when I was just, I was just barreling through and just, knocking down anything I needed to to get where I needed to be. Now it's like I don't have I always have a direction, but I'm not I'm I'm at least like stopping and and enjoying, you know, every step that I take. Mm. You know, and that's 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 huge. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um so one other quick thought about us being here is is how many, how many times have we talked before this? 
Um, so we've talked probably th- three, four times maybe before this. Yes. Yeah. Um, f- For like a 30 seconds max. Yeah, like brief, brief like interludes. Yeah, totally. And so I'd say we've probably communicated probably for three minutes in our lives. Mm-hmm. Correct. And we're sitting here um, and, you know, we're here. You agree to come to my garage and, <laughs> and you don't even, I mean, you don't know me. No. And how friggin' wild is that? Like but it how, seems so normal. It's normal to us. Of course. And here's the thing that I that that I think is what brought us here. It's trust. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't like if you met a guy. I mean, you know, I I'm not going to somebody's house that I don't know. No, it's like come over and sit in my garage. I'm gonna play some worship music and then we're gonna tell secrets to each other. <laughs> <laughs> when you say it like that, it seems like completely absurd yeah. and crazy. Um, and if you asked me, if, if someone, a man was to ask me that like three, four years ago, I'd think like, oh, here we go. What's the intent? Like, you just don't do that. But, um, in sobriety and like when you meet people in sobriety, um, you know, it's, it's different. Like, it's just different. Yes. You said, uh, something that I was thinking. So it's, um. Like, I don't need anything from you. No. And you don't need anything from me. Right. I'm not, I'm not angling for anything. Right. Totally. You know, and that's the difference. That's honesty. Mm -hmm. Um, we have kind heartedness right now between us. Yes. And we want to, you know, we want to be well and we want to do service work. Mm -hmm. I mean, how... It, 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 you know, I'm sure there's other things that I'm missing, but those are the things that can bring two, you know, strangers together. Yeah, we have mutual friends, sure, and they hooked, you know, that yeah, like yeah, talked, you know, you gotta meet Corinne, and we met and and said hi and stuff like that. But um, I say all that to say it's um just fantastic. I appreciate you coming and supporting my project super excited um like i said honored i think it's like you said service work like that's a major part of my life now and um for obvious like for a lot of reasons a it it obviously helps other people but it helps me um and it's not and it's not to fill uh the ego it's like literally for the most selfless reasons um and it's to stay alive no doubt it's funny how that works. Who would have thought that? Mm-hmm. That service thinking of, you know, that, there you go. Ego is not my amigo. Yeah. How do you bust your ego? It's it's simple, isn't it? What do you do? Think about other people. Always. Yeah, no. I mean, it's like the most obvious thing. It's, you know, I have. But we're not taught that. No. Like, how do you learn that? Who's going to teach you? You're not taught that. You're taught to be the best and look out for yourself and put you number one. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Some people have taught that. Like, I bet parents who were in the pro, you know, I bet parents who, I, 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 I you know, I speak highly of, of this 12-step program, obviously, but 
people who have, I guess, fig- people who are honest, who figured out mm-hmm. like what they need to be, they can teach their kids, but it's just such a small, and I'm not like, oh my God, like here I go, like AJ is on his high horse, but you know what? I'm speaking from experience. I was there. If somebody's listening mm-hmm. and they are um, wondering if life can be like that, like you can meet a person and and share a connection with them if if you're honest and your intentions are good, it can be good and and it can be helpful and and um and like I said, it can you know this is part of an overall wellness. Like it helps me. Like so, I'm going to talk to you now, and we're going to have a friendship mm-hmm. that came from nothing, right? And just because we were able to, um, you know, like I said, on it, like honesty, honesty comes from, it's all, it's all how honest you can be with each other. I was going to talk about, you know, I'm grateful. Like part of the reason I got here was because of the small group and the tribe I have, like I didn't, you know, so we're on the same page, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and these small groups that we're fortunate enough to be a Mm -hmm. part of think like us. Right. And how freaking great is that? It's validating. Like it's so, so for me, like it's, it, it calms the inside voices when you are around, um, people, like-minded people and, and you, you can have a look on your face and you can say you're great and they instantly know that that's, that isn't the case. Um, or like, you know, they can say you look great and it's just because they truly mean you look great. And for someone like me that was always needing to like have approval, I was a perfect, I'm a perfectionist by nature. Um, number one, if you're not first, you're last. Um, you know, that, that was like hard to swallow. That was a real, that was really like challenging to accept. Um, and, here's another thing. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, woman that always, always thought women were like the enemy. You know, women had these like intentions that were, you know, I, I said this a long time. I had always said this for years and years. Oh, I'm a guy's girl. I'm a guy's girl. I hang out with the guys. And although that may be true because I, you know, I'm into sports and, and things like that. Um, love sports, love golf, um, play, I golf with men. Um, but here's the thing, like women need women. And I have never felt more strong about that than I do now. And I'll tell you, I have some of the most amazing women in my life today. Yeah. Um, and then the women that have been in my life for, for years and years, like I appreciate those friendships that are still there more than I ever have. And then there's other other relationships that, to be quite frank, AJ, that I call them acquaintances for a reason. Mm. There was there was a purpose there, and the purpose was like you were, we, we both had something A in common, and B like we had nothing in common. Yeah, A being the booze, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. No totally. That was so tough. That was so tough. I this neighborhood here is just social drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's common. That's what happens. It's like I see it. You know, I I see. It. I call it like I see it now. 
whatever. But it is. It's I see it. I said on one of these shows, you know, you like out here. If we if we're gonna go out with our dogs later, mm-hmm. we're gonna trip over nip bottles. Yeah. I, and who drinks nips? Um, I drank nips constantly. Right. Why? Quick fix. Yeah. Quick fix. What'd you do with the bottle when you were done with it? Um, I'll be honest with you. I hid them everywhere I possibly could. Um, of course. And I always like my trash. Like I throw, I take my trash from my condo to a dumpster, but I always had it like tied up, like so no one would ever know. And you live alone. And I live alone. And I live alone. Um, middle of the night, take the trash out. Um, first early, early, early morning. Like mind games mm. to the extreme. Yeah. So are you? Are you? Do you? Um. It all goes back to that childhood, man. Mm-hmm. It all goes. It does. It always goes back. It does. I'm, I'm the youngest of four. Do you have kid? Do you have brothers and sisters? I have um one younger brother. He's four years younger, Brian. Yeah. And what's um, his name? Brian. Brian. My brother. Um. We share. We're we were extremely close. And we both share a common denominator. We're both addicts. And um, my brother got sober before I did. And, you know, he's fine that I, I share this. And and here's the thing. Like, I was the perfect child hiding it. My brother was, like, out in the open, rebellious, had no control. And I was so worried about him dying. I didn't think I had a, a had a problem or B, like, anything would happen to me. Um, my brother hit his rock bottom, got sober. He's, um, now he's happily married two gorgeous children. He has a phenomenal business and all of that was like building. He's building all of that. And I'm, you know, his older sister, successful, um, my entire world was crumbling down around me Mm. and he, he like got it. Yeah, he, he saw you. He saw. He got he saw. it, and never said anything to like AJ. Never was like coming out saying you need help, you need this. Never. It, in my family, my parents were the same way. I want to get to that. Okay. You, ha- you have you have a cool story about about your brother. I do at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can we back up? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys grew up, um, two parents. Grew up, um, yeah, my mother and my father, we grew up in Peabody. Um, my mom's from Peabody originally, and she has a fairly big family. My dad's from Quincy. Um, so our whole childhood was just, we had a normal childhood. And um, until then, my parents, you know, got divorced. Um, and here's the thing. I want to say this first, like, like, I'm an alcoholic because I have an allergy to booze. Like, I cannot take one sip of alcohol in safety. Like, that is, that's like, and, and I truly believe that. I don't say that because it was drilled into my head because I was told. I say it because I truly believe it. Like, Same. I got sober because I, I wanted to get sober. I got sober because I, I knew I was an alcoholic before I, I even, before I even, I, I looked in the mirror and knew I was an alcoholic. And, and once I said it out loud, I was like, felt free and then the next step is like how am I going to recover from this but like my parents divorce wasn't the reason I'm an alcoholic 
I know the feelings I had and in the anxiety and in not feeling enough and those those feelings carried with carried through with me all through my adolescence into my teenage years and as a young adult and and the alcohol and drugs honestly like that took it all away it did it took it all away did you did you know instantly cuz i hear i hear people say um and it's so funny how like we all have this in common but we get there different ways and in mm-hmm. different um stories but like when people say i tried it for the first time and i loved it that so that wasn't me okay did, is that did that happen did did that happen to you like you tried it and it took your anxiety cuz i was an anxious kid too i didn't know it mm-hmm. and when i first got drunk the first few times it, i didn't know i was so friggin clueless i it, it yeah. didn't it didn't take anything away from it me it did like for me it was like anxiety as a kid like i, I mean crazy patterns like i would um needed to be early for school every day would never miss a day of school perfect attendance um perfect grades um you know i did you have like uh colored eyes odd shirts with matching pants yeah my outfits were always perfect my the the like the clips in my hair my barrettes that my mother like if i had one um pigtail out of whack like my mother had to redo my hair over until it was perfect like that that's who corinne that's a lot of is. pressure that's a lot of pressure like and who can who can nobody nobody can nobody can live up to that and nobody asked me to yeah it was myself. It was all self-inflicted. And you know why? I never wanted to be called out. Um, right. Yes. I, I never, I was called out once and I'll tell you this story. I'm in second grade and um, we're making these like heart mailing, um, like these, these heart shaped like envelopes to, to hang on the wall for, for Valentine's for our classmates to put Valentine's in. And I couldn't figure out how to do it. And I was like beside myself and the, the activity in class was near end and I, I wasn't completed. And I remember my teacher so clear as day calling me out. And, um, isn't it funny? Like I've blocked her name out. Like I, I always knew I blocked her name out to this day. I couldn't even tell you her name, but I, I have her face and she said, Corinne, just take that home with you and you'll have to do it at home. That moment was so crushing for me. I felt so worthless. I never wanted that feeling again. I never wanted to feel that again. And so I knew from that point forward, if you're not first, you're last. Mm. That was like what I thought. Yeah. We get molded by those experiences. So early on. It took me a long time to, to realize what that was, where that stemmed. And I, you think, like, you wonder, how could that have been prevented? Like, could that have been prevented? Or is that just your brain was wired that way and that's how it was going to be? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, know. I just think it's like, it's just the way I don't, I, it, it was just. Who the, know? I mean, who, who, yeah. who, who know? Who today, knows, yeah. like, I know this much, like today, I mean, I'm in sales and um, the way I look at things is. Um, you know, I do extremely well. I'm a top performer in my company. And um, I know that that's the expectation. But I also know that if I'm not first, I'm definitely not last. 
you know? Yeah. Um, and I know what my worth is professionally, personally, and I'm doing the best I can. And and that's good enough. Sure. And if you want to call me out, then I, that's fine too, you know? I mm. mean, I handle it now. Mm. I handle it. So where did, where did that take you, second grade? And then did you, when did, when, so when, where did you go from there? Um, I was, I was perfect A student from yeah. there on out. Yeah. Typical high school. High school, same. So and, yeah, oh. high school, uh, um, you know, here's the thing. Um, everyone has their experiences in high school. I had, I loved high school. Um, Right up until like, even I say my senior year, I still loved it. Um, I had all older friends. My friends were all older. I played sports. Um, my friend, I just, I don't know. I became friends with a group of girls that um, I'm still friends with today. Um, and when you're in high school, like everything is, everything is about perception. And I drank for the first time in high school um, I'm sorry, it was middle school actually, but like yeah. middle school. And, and I tell you that took away that fear and anxiety, that mm. fear and anxiety was gone. Mm. Um, but like, I knew it wasn't like, I knew it wasn't right. Mm. So, and I was always about walking that line, doing all the right things. So like, I knew I was always like, when you're underage drinking, like I knew that that wasn't right. So I always had that fear inside of me about getting caught, but I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Yep. And yeah, I felt older. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a, that sounds about right. I mean, I've I've been there. I was 13, you know, and that's what we did. Like, that's I wonder if that's. Um, so I'm thinking right now because I, I, my brother lives in Texas and I don't know if they like start drinking like we, we were boozing. In eighth grade, ninth mm-hmm. grade, like we had buyers, they'd drop us off. Yeah, the thirty pack mm-hmm. in the snowbank, and we'd pay them thirty bucks. Totally. So then, um, but you weren't having, you didn't. I mean, it wasn't an issue, right? In, in high school, did God. you feel like you? No, no. Yeah, it was like just what everybody did. You know, you, you know, after what the... separated you from the other girls? Was there a difference at that point? Was there, was there like a, something that you were like, you know how now it's like, we know we're different than yeah. our acquaintances. Then no, no, absolutely. Like, yeah. You fit in. I fit in completely fit in. Um, you know, it was just like something that you did. Like, you know, you matter of fact, when I think back now, like I think I was more the norm than some others like some others like their their objective was i'm going out i'm getting completely obliterated and i don't care how i act and i just remember i'm look as things are popping into my mind and like my circumstance wasn't really like that it was like you go out you go to a party you drink you go home and the big thing was you talk about it on um on monday you know what <laughs> happened yeah. and um you know, and, and you were able to talk about what happened and, you know, that was just what it was. That's and what it was. By Wednesday, you're talking about the weekend again. Right. And that's just what everybody does. Yeah. And life went on. And life went on. Yeah. And we didn't, I mean, freaking clueless. Like I wasn't taught and my, you know, I've said it, my, my parents, they did the, they did the best they could with what they had. There's no doubt. I mean, I know that today. 
Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, their parents didn't teach them about, you know, didn't really give them a lot of wisdom. And my grandparents were, were awesome. You know, they were high. Right. But it's like, um, so you're trying to navigate these waters and, you know, and that's why it's tough. You know, you look, I look at the, you know, it's just tough being a kid. So anyway, so you, yeah, you do that and then you graduate and time goes by and then all of a sudden you're in college. Did yeah. you pick a, did you, did you think about going away? Did alcoholism start to creep in then? Did the disease, where, where were you there? The, the disease was creeping in, in, in other ways. Um, so like in other ways, in the sense that like I chose a college in the end, like I had all my college all picked out and um, <laughs> it's interesting. And um, I was going to Assumption College and everything was ready to go. Um, and I remember it was Easter Sunday and our entire family was at the house. And I remember um, my mom was talking about something. She's and saying, oh, well, they can't have a car on campus freshman year. And I just remember looking across the table and I said, well, I'm not going there. And my That's mother it. said, what, what do you mean you're not going there? I said, I'm not going there. I'm going to Salem State. I already applied. I've already been accepted. And that's where I'm going. And it was like shock and awe. Um, But that was like my mind was made up. And I made my mind up based off of a relationship. Yep. And I always say this to AJ, like I have no regrets. Um, I don't have like, I have no regrets. Like I've, I worked through all of my quote unquote stuff, but um, like, you know, that had to happen in my life. That had to happen in my life. Mm-hmm. And that brought me to where I am today. Um, I got a phenomenal education. Um, I did awesome in, in school. I loved Salem State. And um, and that's that was my path. Yep. That was my path. But that that was like, where am I? Drinking and drugging. I was introduced to d- drugs my freshman year of college. How'd that happen? What'd that look like? So I had um, a boyfriend, four years older, um, and I had no clue, no clue um, what I was in for. Um, What I thought it was, the relationship and what it turned into um, was insanity. Um, But he introduced me to drugs, um, hard drugs, like cocaine, ecstasy, um, masculine. Um, yeah, like those are probably the primary three. Oh, GHB. That was a big one. The hell is that? GHB is like, um, Russian. It's, it's like made by people. It's like synthetic and it's like a liquid and it essentially people would take it foam at the mouth and like you could die from it like mm-hmm. it lowers your heart rate toxic chemicals putting in your body thought nothing of it to make you feel different to make you feel different a so, lucid mind altering feeling um and um i i always i like to say this like um cuz drugs are a huge part of my story and um i definitely did them for mind altering reasons but the end result was it either allowed me to drink more or they took away the anxiety from the drinking. Right. Because drinking was never uh, not an option. No doubt. 
I, so I am so, I love talking about drugs. I, I haven't mm-hmm. had, a, like, I want to hear stories about drugs because mm-hmm. my, because I may be an addict. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I had uh, a terrible accident and I told the story before, but I'll tell it again quick. I had a bad accident. I was 22 years old. I had a crushing injury on my foot. Mm-hmm. I had to. Ha- I was in the hospital for 17 days. I my toe got amputated. Mm-hmm. Bunch of them got reconstructed. They came in, so I was knocked out. The first night, I was knocked out of emergency room. I was just gone. They had, I don't know what they had in me. Uh, yeah. actually, something morphine. They gave me morphine, and I threw up. So I found out I was allergic to that. So they gave me Demerol, which I didn't know. The next day, they come in to give me a shot in the ass. So I'm in the hospital bed, and I had never taken dr- I had never taken dr- painkillers. Right. I was I had never had an injury. Yeah. So I was in bed in the hospital bed, and they shot me in the ass, and it was like I saw God. And I friggin' loved that feeling. And from I swear to God, from the second they did it, I thought about when the next time the nurse was gonna come in. Bingo. I can identify. So I may be an addict. Um, the the and I don't know um, because my life never got unmanageable because of drugs. Mm-hmm. Although part of my story is I had a tendency to if I was going to a buddy's house and his wife had. Yeah. Like surgery or something. When I went to take a piss, if we were playing cars or something, yeah. I did. I went through the cabin. I took stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if I, I may be an addict. Like I, I know, I know, like I like to say, I hate the word alcoholic. I said this to Mark <laughs> and he <laughs> laughed and he, 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 we kind of had a cool little conversation about that, but it's 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 so banged up that word. Yes, that word is really banged up. But it's I don't know what it is about it because it doesn't cover me. Like I feel like I feel like it doesn't. Um, I feel like I don't know how to explain. It. Like it's it doesn't um cover what I am. Everything. Yeah, maybe I am an addict. Maybe I am an addict, and I'm okay with that. Like, yeah, because I'm not like I, I'm certainly not. Uh, I'm you know I'm treating my alcohol. If I'm an addict. Um, the work I'm doing in this program is certainly treating that so it's okay. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I could say, but I like to say like the other day at Wakefield, it just came out of my mouth. I'm like, um, uh, allergic. I think I forget what I said. Like I can't drink alcohol in safety. I'm allergic Mm -hmm. to alcohol. I'm powerless. Powerless. That's what I said. Yes. And that's what I am. Like I can't, I can't, um, I can't control it. So yeah, instead of alcoholic, I would like to give like six terms. I'm powerless. Yeah. I can't control it. I have an allergy. Um, yeah, but but back to the, um, we got off track there and that's okay. No. That, um, yeah, so the Demerol thing, so that feeling. Yeah. And I know that um, different in another reason that I think I could qualify as an addict and whatever, like, I don't you know. But my wife hates to take medicine, hates uh, opiates. Yes. Like hate, hates it. Yeah. Like blast it, like doesn't, doesn't like it. And I'm like, what? What's your problem? Oh, I know. I'm like, what? I love that feeling. So 
<clears throat> normal people don't think like that, I believe. So here's, here's, here's yeah. what I want to ask you about. Yeah. To get your opinion on, since we're on the subject. Yeah, normal people, when they take a Percocet or a Vicodin or an Oxycontin, which I've never had, don't don't love that feeling it gives them. Would you agree with that? I would 100% agree with that. Um, <clears throat> and normal people, and I'm speaking from experience. Normal normal, normal meaning people who can take drugs normally. Correct, yeah. yes. Like they, like I, <clears throat> they don't feel like they need a Percocet, Vicodin, Oxycontin in order to um, clean their house, um, be in a group setting and feel like they are speaking so amazingly, um, able to, you know, um, go work out at the gym. Like normal people, like Corinne feel, felt that way. Corinne feels that way. Um, Corinne couldn't wait to have like knee surgery, um, because, I knew what, what was happening. I knew where, what I was getting. And, um, there go. Like that was like, I, I, prescription pill, um, addiction is like a jail sentence. It's a prison sentence. Okay. So was this part, so you, you would do it. So you, is this going to, yeah. All right. I, I, cause I haven't heard your story. Like I said, we, you know, and we I don't are. share it like, you know, here's the other side of it, too. Like, you know, I hold back a little bit um, in AA because um, this is not exactly. AA. And that's why, like, it's nice to be able to talk about this because it's major. Um, <clears throat> it was major. A it was major in my life. And I need to talk about it because it helps me to recover. But it's also like it, it's a commonality. Like so many people can identify with it. And it's epidemic. It's epidemic, and and I don't feel like, um, you know, it, it's there's a stigma, but I think it needs to be like a common stream conversation. We're getting there, and it, yeah, and it's good that it's getting there. So um, tell me about it. So tell me, tell me how you so, got there. I want to hear. I'm, I want to hear about. So this. I'm in. Um, <clears throat> my first experience with an opiate was I'm in my junior year of high school, and I had a freak accident and almost severed my toe, and um, had to have. Um, um, some minor surgery on it. And now I'm home, <clears throat> laid up, and I'm taking painkillers. And I can tell you, I remember exactly where I was laying in my bed and exactly what the feeling was. And I loved it. And that was it for me. And from that point on, I didn't... Um, I was never the girl that was going out saying, oh, meet the drug dealer and get the drugs on the street corner. That was not me. If they were there, I was all about it. If you offered it to me, hell yes. Um, or if I was like, good, like I would seek it from you if you were like in you like a friend, like I wasn't calling a random because that's frowned upon, not good. You don't do it and you can get in trouble for that. Right. <clears throat> and that was where my mindset was. Same. Yeah. So, um, and, and here's the thing, like at the time when I started doing them, they weren't as like, com they were starting to become more common, but not as common as now, you know, today. Um, so then like the next time 
I really had the opportunity. Um, I just graduated from college. I was moving into, um, <clears throat> I was moving out of my, an apartment, moving into a new one. And I remember running up a flight of stairs and I, all of a sudden I heard a pop in my knee. And um, then that was it. I, I had to go for, you know, all these um, <clears throat> procedures. And um, I remember like they gave me Percocet for the pain prior to the surgery. You, you said so. I want to ask you quick. So when you popped, when you when you heard that pop, that, what I was, was your go first back. thought? Oh, my God. This is amazing. I was psyched. You were psyched you got hurt and you were going to get medicated. Yeah. And I was going to get the attention, I, too. Oh. I loved the attention, the medication, and um, I couldn't wait. The winner. It's like. But this is like. How like, backwards is that? <clears throat> it's mental. It's fucking backwards. It's totally mental. But here's the thing. It's like. When I walked into the um, halls of AA, I was so goddamn relieved when I heard other people saying it because I couldn't talk about it. This is this is bingo. I couldn't talk about it until, you know, now. This is why we do this because, Corinne, if we can, I mean, maybe somebody will listen and and mm -hmm. this is why we're talking about this. Right. Absolutely. So, so yeah, you get hurt, you get get hurt, get the surgery. Um, still never occurred to me. Still never occurred to me. I remember being home after the surgery, and as like a couple of days went on, I'm toward the end of the week, and and like I'm already out of like the pain medication. Well, not I'm almost out of it, and I'm already calling the doctor to say I'm still in all this pain, and he's like, "Geez, you know." He kind of like, he kind of gave me some pushback, but I still got another script of it. But I remember, I remember that phone conversation in the angst of the thought of me not getting it. And then the relief that came over me after I did get it. And I was like, honestly, I, AJ, I was like, fuck, like, I'm like, oh, fuck, like. Oh, you 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 realize you you realized you think? Do you think? Yeah, you I did because I I remember I had had been feeling like crummy. Like if I didn't take it, I was feeling like crummy, and like I knew, I knew then. I'm like I have a problem. Wow, because this is now this is cool. Well, this is this is this is awesome because this brings me back. So I can identify. I so when I got hurt. I got out of the hospital. Seventeen days later, he gave me thirty. He gave me a pre prescription for thirty, mm -hmm. and I had it planned out like I wouldn't take any during the day. So I'd have like three or four for later on in the evening because I loved to take one and a half <laughs> on an empty stomach mm -hmm. and read read a book, Dean Koontz, and fucking crazy right but so maybe yeah i mean i don't know but um but then but i didn't get withdrawals like i didn't No, i had I, I, boy i can i can understand what you're talking about about asking for more mm -hmm. and that feeling oh I, oh the feeling of of him thinking you're uh, trying to fool him mm -hmm. and acting trying to act at the same time yeah and then him saying no and you're leaving with nothing. Oh. I didn't like that at all. That was terrible. But I didn't have the withdrawals. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and I know like a lot of it was was like mental too. I mean, you make yourself feel worse. 
Yeah. Mentally, like you mentally debilitate yourself and then you feel you, you honestly believe that you have that physical pain. You try to talk yourself into it. Yeah. And it's easy to do. Our brains, man. And it's easy to do. Oh, our brains lie to us. It's constant. It's it's crazy. Like I've learned that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah. So I, I said to you, like, I knew I'm in my bedroom. I kept them in like this part of my one of my bureau drawers. Drawers, and anytime anyone ever gave me any, they always went in that drawer. And it was like when there were so many in there, it was amazing. But when there was like none in there, it was like, oh fuck, oh fuck. Or when they started dwindling, you like yeah. Seven, then I counted them six. every single yeah. Like I recounted them so many times as if like someone was gonna magically disappear. Um, and then like, I remember like after a night of drinking and the next day I'm like, oh my God, what I didn't, how did I take that many? And then I'd have to recount them when I took them. Um, but, um, so you were taking them while drinking. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. But this is okay. So yeah. Yep. Never, ever, ever once did it occur to me that something could happen to me because I'm a girl that works out every morning before work. I am never miss a day of work. I'm always on my game. No one knows that I am taking pills to be um, this upbeat, bubbly, and productive um, citizen in society, <laughs> you know, person. There's a lot of those people out there. I can spot one from 100 miles away and because I, ho- I am that person. And I, I hope they they could man imagine if they could hear you right now yeah i'm telling you like and like, hear that it's that it's number one that it it's okay it's okay it's fucked up it's it's a crazy thing it's a stigma you're taking drugs you're hiding you're lying you're cheating it blows it sucks it's a fucking you know, all terrible you spot to get to out be. of it but you're so afraid to get out of it and but here's you why can, though. here's why you're so afraid because <clears throat> Leaving like that, it's that crutch, that cushion. It's like, how am I going to be able to live without it? Like, because I've lived with it for so long. Am I going to be able to function without it? And um, yes, you will. And you will feel like the weight, the weight that lifted off of me. And I'll tell you right now, like I go through life now on such a natural high, better than anything I've ever felt in my life. Because it doesn't take a lot of work. It doesn't. It's like, it doesn't. But yes, to it get can there, be done. It can be done. And and if <clears throat> if somebody is listening and they feel that way, you, you talk to somebody. Go tell somebody you trust. Like, ask for help. Mm-hmm. There are places that you can go where people that you don't even know care about you mm-hmm. and want you to be well we know it corinne we we've do. seen it we do and i another thing about the asking for help like there's nothing nothing more important than your life and um and you're never looked down upon like i was so worried that people were going to be disappointed in me i was so worried i was going to like ruin my career i was so worried that like my life was going to fall apart but here's the thing, EJ, my life was falling apart. I was going to lose my career at one point or another. I was going to lose everything I've worked so hard for. And I was 
not looked down on. I was built up. Like I was supported. I, you know, I was given like, I, people still to this day say, I cannot believe what a strong person you are. And, and I'll tell you what, I think it's, it's helped other people. No doubt. It's helped other people that are in my life that had, you know, that, that have been questioning themselves or that question themselves that I think then they see me and, and then they, it's, it's helping them. It's tremendous that you have the balls, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I don't know. You courage. I don't know. Um, trying to think of the word for it, but to be, you know, anonymous is good in theory. And I understand where that term came from, but if I don't let people know where I'm at, then who, how am I going to help somebody? Right. How is somebody out there gonna, uh, benefit from what I've been through and know that I care and Mm -hmm. know that, um, I can be on the same page or somebody can, Yeah, you know, I can help you. Know, we, how are they going to know that if I don't, if I don't talk about it, but the anonymous part, you know, this 12 step program got me to this point. It helped me clean up shit mm-hmm. that I had that was making me think I was just not thinking right. Yeah. I mean, here's my take on, this is my personal take on the anonymous thing. And, and I'm very, very, um, respectful to anyone's anonymity um, completely. So, but my whole take on the anonymous thing is like, I'm not anonymous and I'll tell you why, because when I was drinking and drugging, I was out there open. Like I was out there and like, although I didn't at the time think I was doing anything that was like damaging, um, I was, especially to myself, like now I'm doing something I'm in, I'm in a life that's like so amazing and prosperous, but more importantly, I'm leading, um, I'm leading for an example. And I, why wouldn't I want to share that? And in, in, in the most selfless way possible. Yeah. You know, so we try, we work at that. Yeah. We work at that. Absolutely. Selfishness is, is part of me. It is. But you learn, you learn, you learn that the antidote, that word always gets me. I think it's yeah. antidote. Antidote. I think you're right. <laughs> to selfishness is selflessness. Right. Shoot, I was going to say something on that, but that's oh, oh, the anonymity part. And then I want to get back to you were like 22 because I'm dying to hear what happened. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm talking from me. I some people. I didn't. My kids didn't know I was going to AA meetings. I used to tell them that I was going to meetings to help me live a better life, right? Yeah. I was like, I'm going to, well, you go every Saturday, Sunday morning, Dad. I'm going to these meetings. Yeah, really? What, what is it? <laughs> I'm going to meetings to help me live a better life. My point is, I at the beginning, I didn't fucking want anybody to know. No way. But this is where I am now. And mm-hmm. I am so grateful for that. But there are pitfalls I got to look out for. You know, I got, I got, you know. Mm-hmm. There, and it's not the it's not the booze anymore because but there's temptations. It's and we all have temptations, mm-hmm. but I know when I go down those roads, I feel like shit. Yeah, like quick fix. Like AJ wants relief and reward ASAP. Yeah, you said it. You said it, and and that, those are things that um you know as 
I, I will always have to look out for too. I feel like it's not so much the physical drink now or, or drug. It's, it's the, all the other stuff for that. Like you said, instant gratification. And I always say, and we talked about this earlier and like my sponsor who, um, woman is phenomenal. Lo- like love her, but she, she led me to this place where like everything I do now is like when I get the feeling in the stomach and it isn't a good one. Like you get that pit. Like that's when you know you go with that feeling. I mean, listen, it sounds so simple, but even down to like I could be saying something about someone. If it doesn't, I always retract because here's my thing. Have I been that person? Have I done that? Um, and if I have, and 99% of the time I have, then what gives me the right to then I always, there's something going on with me if I'm really if I'm if I'm stuck on another person for a negative reason there's something going on with me and I'd much rather figure out what's going on with me because I can change me AJ I can't change anyone else and but, and I'm so okay with that today okay that is gold yeah Are you shit me you yeah. hit, you like hit the you that's like triple sevens, man. <laughs> it's nice, right? I mean, but but now, okay, now, yeah. I have it, so yeah. I, it's in my pocket. Can I take it out and use it? Yeah, that's the thing. You have that's the thing. Like yeah, I you, have to use it. She gave you know you got the blueprint. Yeah, now I have to just build on it. Um. So you were like twenty two. We so left I'm, off. You, yeah. So I'm twenty two, and like you and, had your cachet, you had your little stash. Yeah, and my full stash of pills, like all the time, needed my stash of pills. And I always got them like I always got them. And then I, I but I always wanted them the most legitimate way. So like, for example, now, like I by I'm so lucky, I say that I have such terrible like problems with my teeth. Right. It's a hereditary thing. So I had some issues with my with my teeth. So I needed oral surgeries. Oh, aren't you thrilled? When I mean, no one likes going to the dentist, first of all. And if you do. You're crazy. Uh, you're crazy, and that because I loved going because I knew it always involved sedation and meds, and that's what it was. And so, like you know, I here. This is a crazy one. I literally complained about my um, wisdom teeth, so I could get them out. I never knew I even. I never felt them. Never felt them, but I complained about them so I could get them out. Yeah. Um, and then when I got those out, that caused other issues in my mouth and then I had no choice. So I caused my own problems in order to get painkillers. Yeah. And, um, so, so here's this, um, literally like I live down at the time I live down the street from you and I'm going, I'm home for lunch one day from work. Right. And, um, I'm having lunch, whatever. And, um, all of a sudden, I get an automated call from Walgreens. I'm in the car just going back to work. And I get this automated call from Walgreens saying my prescription is ready. And I'm like, my prescription is ready? So I'm like right here. So I walk in and I was like, oh, I just got to call my prescriptions ready. They're like, oh, yeah. And I look at it. It's a bottle of Percocet from my dentist. And for some, st- I, I didn't. Not for one split second did I think to say, oh, this isn't right. Those, oh, I don't know what that's for. Yeah. I was in, on the inside. It was Christmas morning and I 
got them, paid for them, left, and they were on like a refill. What? No, I'm not joking. So it was, yeah, a big boo-boo by the dentist. Yeah, big boo-boo. Okay. And like, you know, now that unheard of, but. Yeah, they've changed it on. You get like it. seven. Yeah. I think you get seven pills. And like, Which is awesome. Yeah. Like fucking yeah. about time. Yeah, exactly. That all started. You know how that started? No. Like this, I can't remember. So it's like 2000, 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. And I'm delivering these pills from Miami, mm. from Jupiter, Florida. I can remember it. Yeah. And they're fake RX companies. Med, Med RX, RX1, RX Mart. They were all like fake names. And so- Come to find out, and it's interesting, if you look at the addiction um, numbers on a map, if you Google addiction, it would be like you would Google addiction rates, eastern, east coast, United States, 2000 to 2006. It's like all red up Route 95. It's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. So there were like three of these three or four doctors. They lived offshore. They would fly in, write thousands of prescriptions, and then fly back to whatever wherever they were living. And I believe, I mean, I've I've done, you know, I've read a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. And that was that's how it all started. Yeah, you know, couple million pills coming up ninety five because yeah. they're so fucking addicting. For an addict, you have one. You cooked. Yeah. And it is exactly that. It only takes one. Yeah. It's all it did for me. It's all so, it took for me. But then you had unlimited. You had like a gumball machine. Yeah. And never once did I think of like, oh, I can make money off. No, it was like, oh, I'm going to take these. Yeah. So what happened? So I did. And um, so I did take them. And then somehow it, it, this, it ended up running out. And then um, I remember I was introduced to... Um, Suboxone, Suboxone, and um, oh no, let let me back up for a minute. Then I started dating someone. <laughs> this was it. I started dating someone who um, like just had them all the time and would just give them to me all the time. And then I was like, oh, this is great, you know. And um, I remember one day he's like called me a junkie, and um. And I was like, I'm a junkie. Like, you sell them. You have, this is your job. Like, this is what you do. And I was so like, I, I was so horrified and like offended that that's what he called me. You know what? It was true. It was freaking true. Wow. He's dead now. Um, he, he passed. Um, but um, it, he was right. He was right. Um, so then I was introduced to Suboxone and Suboxone is a synthetic opiate with a, with an opiate blocker and, um, it's prescribed for, um, opiate addiction maintenance. And, um, it was introduced to me like on the street, like it wasn't like a doctor and, um, and it's supposed to take away, like you don't have the withdrawals. But you can get high off of it. Okay, I didn't know you could. Yeah, you can get high off of it, and I you got have to take a lot of it, like a ton of it. No, um, not really. Oh, really? Yeah, not really. And at the time, it came in like this wafer that you would put under your tongue, and um, it dissolves, and it didn't really taste great. But 
I thought it was awesome. Yeah. But um, so I was introduced to that. And so I was taking that and I'm like, oh, well, I'm not taking opiates. So, well, I'm still getting high from it. And then um, and then so, you know, so I'm while get- you're working, living, living life, living life, like working, living life, like still- boozing, boozing. Um, you know, here's the thing. Like I would drink, but I wasn't drinking like all the time like i would drink socially yeah you know so because at the time like it all it mattered is i had my amount of um pills or now suboxone so that i wouldn't get sick and i could function yeah that's all that mattered you had your concoction and then i if i had a drink or two or whatever um but i here's the thing when i would drink on it like i would get exhausted quick um, so like, and I didn't like that feeling, yep. um, cause I didn't feel like I was in control. Um, so like then that started to run out and I couldn't get them as easily. And, um, I remember <clears throat> my life at that point, like I'll say this much, like relationships are have always been a disaster in my life. Like what, you know, relationships have always been a disaster in my life and in it and I blame myself I don't say I blame myself but I know now what the reasons are right and um and I can talk about it now because before I was like um what's wrong with me I'm like a terrible person and I'm ashamed and now I'm like oh I'm not like I'm not any of those things like I'm a human being um and, you know, and like I, I chose, I chose these, unfortunately, I chose relationships for false reasons, you know, and, um, you know, cause if you had what I wanted, I was going to do what I had to do to get it. That's what it was like. Um, and I'm candid about that. So I'm, I had this relationship <clears throat> and with this person that I, I, you know, we were friends and then we just fall into a relationship. And then I have this him like getting me these Suboxone and like, and it was almost like, it felt like that was like, he was doing it happily because it was making me happy. Yeah. You know, and I guess that's what people do in relationships, (laughs) but not, not, you know, no, for other reasons. No, it's crazy. I didn't realize that I, I, were you addicted to Suboxone? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. But I eventually went to a doctor for it. And, um, this, this relationship basically, you know, he told me, he's like, I can't get them anymore. I don't know. And I said, you know what? Screw it. I have to do this the right way. I don't want to live in this chaos anymore. I want to just go to a doctor and I want to be prescribed these Suboxone so that I don't ever take an opiate again. You were ready to come clean about your opiate addiction? I was. And I did. And I found a doctor and I went to him and, um, and in, in right that first visit, he, I remember for two days before that visit, though, I was withdrawing. You have to be in withdrawal. Um, what, to be prescribed them? Yeah, you have to be going through active withdrawal. So I felt like hell. I couldn't, like the sweating, <laughs> the anxiety, the cramping of the legs, like the restlessness. And it wasn't only day. It was only two days. It was at the time. It was like, oh my god, I thought I was gonna die. And then instantly, when I go there, I get everything set up. The doctor prescribes me. I go to the pharmacy. I take the pill, and I'm like, on cloud nine. I climbed Mount Everest, came to the peak, and here I am. I have arrived, and I'm arrived because I'm doing it legally, and I'm doing it above board. 
but that does, it doesn't end there. That was like six years. And, and that was six years being on the Suboxone maintenance program. And um, never once did I touch an opiate, like a, a, a prescription pill um, in those six years. But I abused my Suboxone to the point of like insanity. And when I say that, it's like, it's a, it's a controlled substance. You get 30 day supply and they don't fill it for you early. Occasionally, maybe two, three days early. And I'm like getting my script, taking more than I'm supposed to, because the more you take, the more you get a high feeling. Yeah. Um, and now I'm like, at this point in my life, like I'm in, I'm in a new, like a new, um, new part of my career living alone. I'm single now. I'm out of that relationship. And I thought I was doing all the right things. Like, you know, uh, he, I left him cause he's a heavy drinker and he likes to use cocaine and he, 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 and I'm doing all the right things. And I don't really, you know, drink that much. And that was when my life started to become unmanageable and and I didn't even know it. Mm. And I didn't even know it. And here's the thing. I always thought I was an addict. I was. I always knew I was an addict. I knew I had a pill problem. Um, and um, I knew I did drugs if they were in front of me. But now I'm like not doing any of that. And so, um, you know, so everything's great. My life is great. I'm seeing this doctor on a monthly basis. And you're not supposed to drink when you're on Suboxone. And um, you drug test when you do this. You randomly drug test. And um, I was like, you know, I'm walking into this this doctor's office and, you know, I'm this professional and always like polite and always have my co-pays and, you know, I'm above board. And um, he says to me one day, I had sent, he, you do the, the um, urinalysis and then it, they send it out. I remember it comes back. He's like, oh, Corinne, you know, you had alcohol in your system. And I said, oh, yeah. And he said, um, you can't drink on this. And he was a very, like, matter of fact, staunch, like, just not good bedside manner. But that's fine. And I said, oh, I don't know. I have. A, do you drink a lot? I'm like, no, no. I have, like, a couple glasses of wine, like, a week or if that. And, uh, okay, well, you really can't drink on this. And I'm like, oh, Okay. And in one ear and out the other. Because, like, it doesn't even occur to me at that time that there's really an issue. And then all I know is I'm buying a bottle of wine a night and I'm going home and drinking two glasses a night. And that's, like, nothing. Like, I'm thinking, like, everybody does that. But here's the, the part of the story. I'm thinking everybody does that. I'm thinking in my head already. Doesn't everybody do that? Yeah. I'm watching on TV like everyone has glasses of wine. I'm like, I'm like thinking about this. Yep. Okay. And um, then it was like I was off to the races. I was a daily drinker for as long as like seven, six, six plus years daily there wasn't one single day that i didn't drink there wasn't one what happened with the sub suboxone and i was on the suboxone the whole time and not only was i on suboxone the whole time this whole time i then was having such bad anxiety attacks that i even went to my psychiatrist who prescribed the suboxone 
and said, and I'm also on like an antidepressant and Prozac, I believe. And I say to him, my anxiety is through the roof. Like I, I don't, you know, so he, he increases my medication. And then at one point or another, like toward the end, he put me on Klonopin. I said, listen, I was on Klonopin a long time ago. It worked the best for me. And he's like, all right, I'll put you on that, but you cannot drink. Okay. Yep. Sure. No problem. I'm on four milligrams of Suboxone daily. I'm on uh, half a milligram of Klonopin once or twice a day. And I'm a daily drinker. And that's, that's, that's basically suicide. Yep. That's suicide. Wow. And I never thought a thing about it. I thought that that was normal. How the hell did you make it through that? Um, I don't, I'll tell you this. That's all I thought about. I still managed to keep a perfect persona. Phenomenal at my job. That was my identity, though. Like, I, everything was about my job. Um, you know, I wasn't in a serious relationship because I didn't, <laughs> like, the, I had an, I already had a relationship. My relationship was my booze and my, my pills. Like, that was, that was all I needed. And everything else was secondary. And at that point, that's when my isolation started. Um... Like I would work so hard, then I'd go home and I afforded myself these drinks and like, I worked really hard today, have a drink. I had a suck day, have a drink. But I'm drinking wine and like AJ, wine is so, like women drink wine, they have wine clubs, you know, mo mothers who drink wine, mothers, like, I don't know, and I'm not a mother, but like, it's so socially acceptable. Yeah. Um, and everyone like, you know, it's just like this, I don't know, sophistication, right? So, so that's what I do. Who cares? Yeah. What's the big deal? Yeah. Everybody's doing it. Everyone's doing it. That's so, uh, I mean, that's, it is, it's socially acceptable today. The kids see it. It's a drug. It's a fucking drug, man. And I, I don't know if this like part stands out to you or not, but. I mean, if you're abusing wine, you're abusing a drug. Anyway. Yeah. And this part st stands out to me. Um, I basically substituted one addiction for another. Yeah. That's what I did. I substituted one addiction for the other. And, um, and before I knew it now, like, you know, you go out with clients, you entertain clients, you take them on a lunch and, you know, sometimes you have drinks, um, you know, so I'll go out for lunch and I'll have a drink or then before I know it, like I'm, I'm now thinking about what time what's the earliest i can have a drink yeah okay and that time got earlier and earlier and earlier and now before i know it that's the only thing i am thinking of and i can't do anything without it and like when i got to that point my anxiety is like now it's full throttle like when i tell you anxiety i sh i was shaking constantly i always had my mind was always racing I like hot, was hot all the time. I used to say, oh my God, I think I have early stage menopause yeah. or onset Parkinson's. Like I, I didn't know what the hell was wrong with me. Yeah. Never once, never once did it occur to me that it was alcoholism. Who the hell thinks about that? We don't. We don't. That's the danger. It's self. You, a doctor can't 
can't diagnose you. That's I say that all the time. I wish my doctor diagnosed me with this. Like, you're an alcoholic. You can't drink. Like, you know, you have diabetes. You got to take insulin. But it doesn't work that way. That's no. what's so tough about it. Who wants to stop? What alcoholic wants to stop drinking? Right. I just know that um, I could not stop thinking about booze and prescriptions 24 hours a day 24 hours a day alone isolated not even realizing i've my world became so small and i didn't even know it and i made it that way i pushed everything out and and i did that because i wanted no one to know what was going on i didn't want the shame and the in the guilt and i don't know if anyone like if you're feeling like this right now, like the shame and the guilt was so monumental um, that I didn't know what to do. Like I, I just felt when I say prison, I felt like I was in a prison. It was like the world, everything was caving in on me. And I felt like um, I had no way out. I felt like I had no freaking way out. And um, like I said, I, di- I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Like I I say, I didn't know what to do. I knew what I knew in my mind, what I needed to do. I didn't know if I had the courage to do it. You knew about the program. Um, I knew, or is that what you thought you needed to do? I knew I needed help. Um, and here's, here's what it was. I started seeing all these, they talk about this in AA, these signposts, right? Sure. And for me, it was, um, I heard these commercials on the radio for addiction and, um, and you know, to call this number. And then I started seeing it on TV and, um, thank you God for that stuff. Thank you God for that stuff. Really? Yeah. Thank you God for that stuff because it put it in my head. Like it put it in my head. That's see, that's interesting because I, I, I didn't, that's like great news. I hear the recovery centers yeah. ads. I hear different ads. Mm-hmm. And of course I think, okay, this is good maybe, but that's an interesting perspective that you heard it and it gave you a little nudge. Like I have this, maybe I need to get help. Yeah. Hmm. I remember um, one particular commercial, the passages Malibu commercial on TV. And I know people always like make fun of that. Right. I don't know what to tell you. That saved, that's helped save my life. Like, what is it? I'm sorry. Passages Malibu. It's a rehab out in Malibu, California. But he all, he was an addict and he's like, I was an addict. And it just, it's kind of like hokey the way the commercial is done. But like, hey, listen, it, I saw it all the time and I, I, I don't know what it was. I just kept thinking about it. Wow. And then I was seeing like on shows on TV, like people with addiction. And then I'm, then I'm seeing, hearing stuff about people uh, with addiction. And then before I knew it, I'm like, oh my God, like, then I was like, this is meant for me. This is a sign, you know? And then I woke up one morning, I woke up one morning, I looked in the mirror and I looked at myself. I didn't even recognize myself. And this is what I said. I looked in the mirror and I said, oh my God, Karen, you're an alcoholic. And, uh, (laughs) that was the first time I ever said it out loud. And I felt, gotta tell you, like the feeling was just like a weight had been lifted. 
Like, oh my God, like finally, you know, finally. And that was just like one small step. And the next step was like, I had had to admit it to someone else because then it, then it would be out there. And then like my story is like, then I knew I could do something about it. So I, um, that day, like when I admitted it, I'm, I had a raging, raging, um, panic attack and I didn't know what it was. And, um, I hadn't drank hard alcohol for a couple of days, which I, it didn't occur to me. None of that occurred to me. And, um, and I was like, couldn't even walk. I, I, I didn't know what was going on with me. So I called my mother and, um, she's like, I said, I, something's wrong. I don't know what it is. And she said to me, um, should I call the, um, ambulance? Should I call an ambulance? I said, no, come to my house right now. My parents live in Peabody. Come to my house right now, please. And she said, all right, let me just get ready and I'll be over. And right before she hung up, I said, mom. And she said, what? I said, please bring me some bottles of wine. And she said, okay. And you know what that was? That was me saying, mom, I'm, I got a problem. She knew. My huh. mother showed up to my house with like two bottles of wine. She walked in. I opened it, drank the whole bottle of wine, looked at her, and I said, I seriously have a problem and I need help. And she said to me, I know. And that was the beginning of of where I am today. Wow. And I tell you this much, a parent in Al-Anon is like the best type of parent you can have. She went? Yeah, because my, of my brother. My brother, she had gone to Al-Anon uh, for my brother. And, and like the best thing that uh, no one ever told me I needed help. No one ever told me I was a disaster. No one ever said I was throwing my life away. No, no one ever said, like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, you drink too much. But the day I said it to my mother, she said, I know. We've been worried about you. Wow. And we can, we're here for you. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. I haven't heard that before. Mm-hmm. So, like, thank you, Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Al-Anon. Thank you, Mom, for going to Al-Anon and participating and learning about mm-hmm. this disease. So then what happened? <laughs> um, you know, oh, so, like, what happened was, you know, one would think, oh, okay, so you went about and did everything you needed to do, and, you know. But I, I wish I could say it was that easy and it works that easy because, um, because it doesn't, um, and it didn't for me. And um, I say this, like, I relapsed so many times before I came into the halls of AA. Okay. Like, since I've come into the halls of AA, I've, you know, I've got 22 months. But um, prior to that, like, I thought I could stop on my own. And um, so I, I remember I told my mom, I'm going to cut back. Um, and, and the reason I say these things is because in my mind, like, I still, like, had, I was, I still had to worry about everybody else. And at what everyone else thought, and the timing had to be perfect for me to get better. The reality is, there's no good time, right? Um, my brother was getting married in May, and um, you know, so I needed to be there for the wedding. Like I'm his sister, and we are so close, and I needed to be there for that wedding. And and you know what? Like again, I say, 
I have no regrets because you go, you walk the path you're supposed to walk. Of course. You, you know, so things have to happen the way they happen. And um, now it's like March or it, it's March. I know it's March. And um, like, I'm just like in my head now it's out. Like I'm, <laughs> it's, it's out. My mother knows. And it's out that you're supposed to be sober. Well, it's out that I, I admit I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely not stopping drinking. And they know that. And they know that. Okay. And, um. And they feel, and, th- and are they, are they, what's their Well, thought? my mother, like my mom, once again, she's like supportive, you know, I'm like, I'm going to cut back. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so here's the thing. Like I, I did cut back. Like it felt like a long time. It literally was like nothing, but, but I cut back and then I started. I went to a couple of AA meetings and um did you what we we did you do, were you trying to legitimately stop or were I you doing it for to. other people no 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 I wanted to okay. I did I wanted to stop yeah but I didn't even know like I had no idea in my mind what I was doing because at this point, like it's March and I'm like, I started going online and researching rehabs, rehabilitation. Sure. And I'm like looking up all these places because I'm like, I know I'm going to need to do something like this. Right. I, it just is, was in my head that that's what I was going to do. I had gone to a couple of AA meetings. I don't even know what I heard. Okay. You know, I don't even know what I heard. But here's, here, let me share this because this is huge. I always, like for me, like I, I had people... People in, that I knew had gotten sober and I had seen like, I'd seen pictures of them on social media and they looked so happy and great. They looked amazing. And then I, I know someone personally from um, a gym I go to and um, I see this person every morning for a long time and um, I found out that they were sober and I was like, oh my God, that's like awesome. And I remember one morning I find I said to this person, I said, Oh, I don't know, I think I have a problem. Oh, I said, I don't know, I think I have a problem. And um and I remember he said to me, um, well, that's okay. Like the, you know, and he, he got me a meeting book. Wow. And um and I had gone to a meeting and I remember another time I had seen him at a meeting and it was like it felt good but I still felt like so foreign I felt like so out of place I felt like I I didn't I felt like a fraud like I didn't even know what the heck I was doing you know and and that was a feeling I had and um but it wasn't because they made me feel that way what can we what can we tell people who are listening that feel like that because I had I had that same feeling yeah it's like you knew it's a new culture you kind of like these fucking people are cult yeah what is this I like what can we tell these people like um that you just have to trust? Yeah, I mean number 1 you have to trust. I can tell you this. You don't have to be sober you, to go into AA. Nope. You don't have to be sober. Like nope, you can you walk don't. in there and have had been drinking. You can walk in there and not even know 
if if you're an alcoholic. You can walk in there and not even know if you want to stop drinking, but just go there just because go. it's a place to go. That's all I can say because you know what? Like, I there's no prerequisites. Like, and that's the biggest thing, mm-hmm. especially for someone that's like a rule follower and thinks they have to do everything perfectly. Like, that you can just show up there and you don't have to even say a word. And trust me when I tell you, it works. Yep. And just keep going. Yes. And if that's all you have, just keep going. Perfect. You yep. know, that, and, and I agree. It, you know, and I, I think that's the, a little, a tiny, a mustard seed of hope, man. Right. That's all it takes. Right. So I, so, so, um, you know, so, so the, the, these months, like March, April and the beginning of May felt like a year, a life. It just felt so long. So I called up, I called up a, um, a, a number, a 1-800 number. And I spoke to um, a kid, a person named Jacob. You remember his name. I, I know his name yeah. and I'll never forget his name yeah. because he was a part of my story and he helped save my life. Um, and I talked to him on the phone and I remember I was crying and I remember, like, he's, he, he was so amazing. And, like, they literally could have got me on a plane that day or the next day. And, and it, you know, and that's, that's what it was. And I said, well, I can't do it right now. And I have a job. And I've got to get this all situated. And I had it all in my head. And my brother's getting married. And, you know, here I am, like, a blubbering. Of course, you tell everyone, you know, that's what you do when you're, yeah. you're in that position. You just, you just spew. And that's okay. Yep. These people, like, this, this guy, kid, whatever. He listened and was so unbelievably amazing. Wow. So that's March. Uh, my sobriety date is June 6th. So reason I say that is like I said I'd call him back and um, he calls me once a week until June 5th. I never answered the phone once. He always left a message and I always listened to the message and I never forgot it. And it, thank God he did that because it got me into a place I needed to be because he just simply called to check in. That's good to know. That's, that's a good testimonial. And some people might say like this, and there were times I was like, screw you. I'm not going or, but there were most times I was like, yep, I know, I know, I know. It's a, that remind, all it was, was just like, it was a hand being held out. Yeah. Um, so at that point, like I knew I was going to go, in my head, I knew I was going to go. And then my spiral, it it was gone. I, I spiraled. I spiraled down. I just said, game on. And I just kept, I just went crazy. Um, but it was, my had emotional jackpots. It was an, I was an emotional disaster. Um, I'm lucky I didn't kill myself, kill somebody else you know, by the grace of God, like that, because those are the things that I look back now and say, Oh my God, like, what was I, you know, I wasn't thinking, you know, it, it is what it, what happened happened. And, you know, and, and here's the thing, like I was at my brother's wedding. Um, I didn't miss my brother's wedding and, uh, you know, I, 
you know, and I, and then like, I was like, all right, now I know I'm going. My brother got married on May 13th, 2017. Um, and, um, this is like, so this part of this, this part is like pretty, um, intense. And, um, so now I'm like, it's my time. I gotta go. I gotta do something about this. Right. And I gotta go. And, um, I tell my mom, all right, I'm going to get it prepared. Um, I'm going to use three weeks vacation time. I have all this vacation time stored up and, you know, and my mom's like, okay, great. And, uh, my brother and sister-in-law are on their honeymoon and, um, they have one child, Lincoln, who is, um, he's two at the time. And, um, he's, he's back here with, um, my brother's in-laws and my sister-in-law happens to be six months pregnant. And, um, (laughs) it was, yeah, they chose to, they stayed in, they went to California for their honeymoon because she's six months pregnant and yeah, good thing they did. So like they go to California for like 10 days and then they decide that they're going to fly to Las Vegas for a couple of days on the way back home. And so they did. And, um, I remember I get the, this phone call from my mother. She's like, um, Brian and Denise, um, you know, got in, got in late last night. They, uh, called me this morning, you know, we FaceTimed, everything's great. And then all of a sudden they go to get breakfast and my sister-in-law, all of a sudden elevator, my niece, um, she's six months pregnant and she starts going into create severe, uh, contractions. And literally the baby was coming at that moment, three months early. Um, so Clearly there was something wrong. So anyway, they rushed her into the hospital and, um, here we are, you know, she's in the hospital. There's something seriously wrong with the baby and her, and they have to deliver the baby's being delivered. There's no, the baby's delivering itself because there's something wrong. Wow. And, um, she was born and, um, I just remember my brother calling and they're out in Las Vegas with no family. Right. And I just remember like I'm on the phone with him at my mom's and like everyone's concerned. And I and he said, um, and I said, Well, what do you what do you want me to do? Do you want me to come out there? And he said, Will you? Because most of like my brother, no, no, no. He said, Will you? And I said, Yep, I'll book a flight. And um that was all my stuff went on the back burner. And um I'm I'm full blown alcoholic, right? I'm a full blown around the clock drinker. And I'm going to fly out with my nephew, who's two years old, and his grandmother, my brother's mother-in-law, to Las Vegas. And um, I'm like, I can do it. I can do it. Well, here's the thing I always say. You take a full-blown alcoholic out of their comfort zone, and you'll see what you get. And I, I, I hit my rock bottom out there. It was it. it was done. I was done for. Um, and I say, like... Physically, I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything without having blues in my system 24 hours, right? And, um, (laughs) and I was out there four days and, um, just a disaster. I was an absolute freaking disaster, like emotionally, like I'm there. Then I stopped eating and, and like they all, like everyone knew. And my brother said, so we're there and like, I just remember my brother saying to me, um, we're standing outside the hospital 
and I'm like crying and he's like, Corinne, he's like, it's time. And, uh, and I just looked at him and I was like, Oh my God, like this is it. And so, uh, we went inside and I went to, um, say, you know, see my sister-in-law and the baby and we go into the NIC unit and, um, my niece is born at like a pound and a quarter and she's like, skin isn't even fully developed like translucent like she's in this incubator all of these wires in this room her eyes are you know they have her eyes sealed shut and like she's you know she's like this right and I'm standing there and I'm crying and my brother's talking to the baby and with his voice and and he's like yeah auntie's gonna be okay and look her and in her name my niece's name is Abigail and he says Abigail's good she's a fighter look at this girl she's a fighter she's gonna be okay she's everything's gonna be good and he looks at me and he's like you're gonna die if you don't go you're gonna die wow. and he was 100% right like wow. I was gonna die that moment was like so in, so instant in, intense because that was like the moment where I like surrendered and like that was the moment where I was like I just knew I I wanted to live more than I wanted to die. I just knew. That's all I knew at that moment. I wanted to live more than I wanted to die. And um and then I that's when I went. I went to I went to treatment in Florida uh for like 2 months. Immediately, right? right. Yeah, I flew home, packed my bags and flew to Florida. Yeah. I was on a plane more that like week than I had been in forever, but it's like, you know, planes Planes and hotels were like where I did my my finest drinking, right? Planes, airports, and hotels. I loved drinking in an airport. It was like I loved it. Um, and then that was it. And then I left, and I I went to to get help. Um, and and here's the thing: like I my story is, I was open with everybody. Like I told work, I told um, my family knew. Uh, my, f- my friends knew I had everything like set up, like, you know, my life was put, I was able to do this. It's just, everyone's got it something different. All I know is this is when you get there, you're, they take care of you. Yeah. They take care of you and, and they, and you know, they'll do whatever they have to do to take care of you if you want it. And, and like I went there and I know I surrendered and I'll tell you why I knew I surrendered. They said, Oh, you're on Suboxone. Oh, you're on Clonopin. We can keep that maintenance for you. Well, you know, we, they have everything there. I said, no, 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 no. I'm off all of it. And they were like, you want to come off of all of it? And I said, all of it. They gave you the option. The nurse? Yeah. The, the I'm surprised. The doctors they, there, yeah. They said it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was uh, medically detoxed off of everything. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was the worst experience really i've ever gone through in my life how many days like uh, um three three weeks so you go in and you you go into those uh clinics now as a as a speaker you do commitment you've been there yeah 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 i do i have been there and like you know those the people that it takes a special type of person I feel personally to um 
you know, I know these people are educated and this is their profession, but like I was so like lucky, like, you know, once I got to be there and be comfortable because, um, they do a lot, they do a lot of, of work with you and, you know, they bring AA commitments into the, into the, um, facility every single night. Um, I went to every, I went to every class. I did every group. I, under every condition, I was sick, sick, sick. And I still went because I literally wanted so badly to feel relief. I just wanted to feel good. I just wanted to feel good. And, um, and here's the other thing. When I went here, when I went, when I finally decided it was time to get help, I did it for me. I didn't do it for anything or anyone else. I honestly, I did it for me. And I guess here's the thing. It doesn't matter. Like you can do it for anything or any, it doesn't, as long as you do, you know, as long as you are able to do it. Yeah. I you, think if you want, I mean, you got to want it. Right? Yeah. You got to want it. You got to want it. You got to act on it. Need it. Mm-hmm. All of, all of them. Mm-hmm. So you were there for three weeks. I was there for, Almost two months. I was there until like almost the end of July. I got there. I got there June sixth. That's my sobriety date. And I left there like the end of July. And then immediately when I came home, um, that's why the recovery centers in Danvers, recovery centers of America in Danvers, like I went. I went there immediately following for an outpatient which was like having like another job. Like I was there five nights a week. And at first I was like, and they told me in, in treatment in Florida, they said they wanted to have me to have an outpatient set up when I left. And um, there was some, some issues with my um, insurance or, or some of the places, you know, accepting people. So I literally like didn't have an outpatient set up when I came home and I did. I got it set up like I, I immediately when I got home. Good for you. Um, That's t- great. To this location, yeah. And um, thank God, you know. Yeah. Um, I needed that. I needed to like, be, you know, I needed to get a way to get back into, you know, real life, um, real life again. Like, you know, being out in the open. But I needed like a schedule plan repetition like all those things I needed so badly um and they suggested to me too like right when you get home go to an AA meeting and I got home on a Monday and I on a Tuesday I went to my first AA meeting which was in um Burling uh Woburn excuse me it was a 1 p.m meeting in Woburn and um I had had my 30 days so I had already surpassed my 30 days so I was able to, um, you know, I, you know, when I walked in, they said, oh, you know, do you want, you know, to get your 24 hour chip? I said, no, I was able to tell them how much time I had and I was able to talk to people and everyone was so nice to me and, and friendly and it felt good. You know, it felt good. And, um, and I haven't stopped going since. Wow. Yeah, I haven't stopped going since. And I've been 22 months sober. Um, yeah, that's good. The fellowship. Mm-hmm. People who 
can teach you how to do it, people who can show you that it works. They give you so much hope. I mean, and if, if you, you know, you found, sounds like you found a meeting that you liked right away. It was a meeting. Yeah. And okay. I, yeah, I mean, I instantly like, you know, it was convenient. <clears throat> it was small and um, it was convenient and it was small. Yeah. And yeah. and at the beginning, that's all I could think about ha- having a meeting that was close. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And just because, like, you, you just got to get there type oh, yeah. thing. You can't. You know, if you don't want to go somewhere too far away. I think where you have time to, like, you know, <laughs> make a U turn, make a U turn, or make any pit stops. So for me, that was good. Yep. And at the beginning, that was good. I had the same meetings, like same meetings I went to every single day. Um, and I went to every meeting every single day, more yeah. than one, because, you know, I, if I didn't know why they told me to do it. Yeah. That's why they told me to. So I did it. Go to 90 meetings in 90 days. Okay. And I did it. Willingness. Yeah. Thank you, God. I mean, what, yeah. where'd that come from? That's a great thing. That's a great question too, because, um, um, my sponsor tells me all the time, she's like, you, you've had, you have the willingness. That's one thing about you. You've had the willingness. And, um, this is one thing in my life that I don't try to have all the answers for. This is the one thing in my life. I'm not an expert on. It's so refreshing. It's so good to have that perspective. (laughs) It's like a mystery. Yeah. It's a total mystery because I, Nobody's given me the answer yet. And if somebody gives me the answer, I think I'm going to walk the other way. Yeah. And it's the other, it's the only other thing in my life that I, I don't feel like I'm an expert in or that I've got this thing won. (laughs) That's not, it's not a shoe. This isn't a shoe win. No. Um, But you know, my life is like, now it's like my life is, I have a, a, a phenomenal, wonderful, normal life. I have a life. Um, I ha- Let's just say I have a life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You were dying. I was dying. Your literally. Brother knew it. I, I literally physically was dying. Your I brother was, told you. He yeah. looked you in the eye. Yep. And said you're dying. Whew. And what my brother. And here's the significance of that. For years and years and years, I was like the protector of my brother. Like, cause I didn't want him to die. I used to say to my mother, I don't want him to die. I don't want him to die. I don't want him to die. Wow. He's going to die. And my mother said, Corinne, there's not a damn thing we can do until Brian's ready. There's nothing we can do. I can't do anything until he's ready. And I was like, I was his biggest enabler. Oh, really? Yeah. I was his biggest enabler because I was so always worried about him. And so the significance is, is like, literally I'm standing in front of him and I'm, I'm I was going to die. Like, mm-hmm. that's how sick I was. And, um, he's said, you're going to die, Yeah. you know? So, you know, you're, you're there for the people that you love, right? You're there. You want like, and, and it just, um, I didn't go kicking and screaming. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Nope. You were, you were ready. Yeah. Same. <clears throat> yeah. I can identify with that. So I see you at that Sunday morning meeting. Mm-hmm. You are surrounded by a group of uh, really wonderful mm-hmm. women who can just feed so much wisdom into you. Mm-hmm. I wow. saw that group of women when I first when I first got sober. So I went to um, 
to the Saturday, uh, Saturday morning meeting. And I went there and I sat in the back and I watched all these people walk around before the meeting and they're talking and they're smiling and they're laughing. And I'm like, what in the hell? I felt like, oh my God. First I was like, but then do you want to know what it was? I was like, oh my God, I want to, I want to be a part of that. And I saw this woman who was like dancing around, laughing, smiling and I'm like, oh my God, she looks so cool. And I felt like this, I, I honestly felt this connection with her, like from afar, like, I'm like, oh my God, she seems familiar to me. And, um, spiritual. And, yeah. And, um, and that's my sponsor today. Mm. That connection is a spiritual connection. Totally. I'm saying that. I yeah. believe that. I believe it's like, that. It's not a human connection. No. It's, it's inside. Yeah, it is. And so I went to that, and then I went started going to the, the the Wakefield Sunday morning, and those two those two meetings are like, I don't miss I don't do anything on the weekend without going to those meetings. Yeah, those are my, uh, those that's where I go unless I'm away, which you know. But those meetings I do not miss because that's that gets me through. Yeah. What else? Meditation, prayer. <laughs> um other different kinds of cognitive therapies, anything else that you might be able to pass so, on to a newcomer Yeah, uh, so that might help them along with some meetings? At the beginning, um, when I, at the very beginning, like I'm an avid reader and um, I didn't, couldn't, couldn't read for a long time because my brain couldn't, wouldn't allow me to do that. But um, I was going to meetings and I kept needing to hear about, I kept needing to identify and like when you go to an AA meeting and you hear a story, someone shares their story, like I kept saying, oh my God, that was me. Oh my God, that was me. I was never like, oh, that wasn't me. I was, oh my God, that was me. And like, I don't know why I needed this AJ, but I needed to feed that. So I started reading all these memoirs and uh, for me, it, for me, it helped. Um, you know, I mean, it might not be for everyone, but I kept reading these memoirs and it, it was all, every time I read one, I found another commonality in the feelings. I could identify with the feelings. I could identify with the way these people maybe drank or drugged, but there was always something I could identify with. And I just kept reading and reading and reading and reading. Where do you find these? Where? where? So, um, you know, I went to Barnes and Noble. They have a whole section under um, psychology yeah. that's related to addiction. Yeah. Um, I probably bought every book that was there, <laughs> not at once, but every I'd read I'd read a book in a day. Yeah, I'd go back. Yeah, that's um, what Amazon was huge too. I always was looking on Amazon, and um, the, it's amazing. Some people I never even heard of. But then others, like um, I read Elizabeth Vargas. Um, she was on. Um, she was on. Um, she used to be one of the co-hosts for, I think it was like Dateline or, or one of the one of the nightly shows. Yeah. She was on the nightly news. She's got a story and a half. Yeah. She has a story and a half, and you know there are all these other books that are they're common. Yeah. But um, that helped me yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. I was reading those. Um, praying. I learned um, early on about, for me, like, you know, early on my higher power, early on, like I had like my, my grandfather always over me. And, um, and that was it. Like, that's what I needed. And he was there. He was literally was showing up, like literally was showing up. And 
it was getting me through, you know, and then I started praying and I never prayed before, but I'm going to tell you right now, there's a feeling that comes over when you, when you wake up in the morning and when I know when I wake up in the morning and I get up and I can feel my feet on the ground and I can actually breathe in and I can be, you know, and I'm coherent, like I am. I'm praying for that, mm. you know, and I'm thanking, you know, God for that. Mm. So I do that. I pray every morning. I have readings I do every morning. And um, you know what it does? It centers me mm-hmm. and it gives me something to focus on throughout the day because it's easy to get caught up in the day to day and the drama and the all the bullshit. And, the, you know, the and then there are things that like I could easily get caught up in, but it brings me back to center when I think about you know, so what my, my readings are, you know, nice. it brings me back to center. And then, um, at night I do the same thing. Like at night I sit back and reflect on like, and I really truly do this and everyone has their own way of doing it. And it doesn't mean you have to sit down and write down about your day. I'll sit back and think about my day and think about the things that like made me feel really good. But I'll think about the things that maybe didn't make me feel so good. And that gives me something to like work on. Yeah. Um, because I'm every day, like forever working on myself, you know, and it's, it makes you, it makes me a better person. Like every day, like I feel, you know, the, the, uh, obsession to want to drink has lifted and, and the, that obsession was taken away. And, and, and I remember when that happened, but all the other stuff that goes along with it, that's, that's effort and work too, you know? And, um, and and I I know like I need to work on that because I know it can come from nowhere. Like, oh yeah, when you're feeling your best, yeah, you're you're Just, susceptible. Usually most, that yeah, most susceptible. Oh yeah, when things are going good, when and and it's different. Like you know, I was gonna say that that I used to hear that um, that term being on the beam, and so it's you know when everything's going right, you're good, you feel God in your life and stuff like that. So. Um, that's awesome when that happens. That's when I know my connection is there and it's clear, it's crystal crystal clear. But then there are other times where that's a side, but I'm still feeling good. And mm-hmm. AJ's riding that wave. AJ's got the surfboard out, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then it's a, it's a, it's an it's inevitable the crash that yeah. comes, you know. Mm-hmm. But way less often than it used to. It was just all the time. So absolutely work i like to say um recovery you know they they talk about addiction being progressive my recovery is progressive 100 mm-hmm. percent agree as long as i'm working as long as i'm exercising it mm-hmm. you know by going to meetings and doing this and talking mm-hmm. to people and uh and when when i'm good like i'm like this morning you pull up it's 9 30 in the morning yeah and it's it's simple it's it's there's nothing really you can see, you know what I love? It's, it's just like, I feel good, but it's, it's work. You know, the connections there, I talk, like you said, I, okay. Life is very, 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 very difficult. And if anybody tells you that, they're not telling you the truth. It's my opinion. Mm-hmm. So how do I make life easier? Well, first thing I do is I simplify it mm-hmm. and I take away balls and chains that I have wrapped around my ankle, which takes work. Mm-hmm. This book over here lays it out. Mm-hmm. 
Find somebody who you trust, do it with them. Mm -hmm. And then a connection with God, work on that because that you talk about praying. I had to learn. I'm still, you learn. I learn. I listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. I listen to this guy, Rick Warren. He taught me how to pray. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, he's 3,000 miles away in California Mm -hmm. and he's my spiritual mentor. Mm -hmm. How is that possible? I don't know. I was open minded. I made a connection with him when I was looking for a connection. I found him and I've been listening to him for six years. And he's taught me so much, and that's what, and that's that's how I that's you know that's how it goes. But um, I'm so glad you're 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 well. That's what we're here for. I'm so glad I'm well too. <laughs> and 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 continuing that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we can't stop. Like we can't stop. You know, if anybody's listening to it, it's you know, like I can't stop today. No. You know, I I am not. Worried about tomorrow. Like, okay, yes, I'm, you know, concerned about my kids' tuition and stuff. I'm not saying that. That's, that's, I'm not making things up in my mind that might happen tomorrow. Right. I, I know. All right. So, like, that's exactly, you hit it right on the head. It's like, I know for me, I'm not, I always worried, like, I'd make up a whole scenario. I, like, here's a great example. I made plans with one of my friends for later on today, earlier in the week. And at the time, it sounded great. Well, this morning I woke up and log- it just logistically and it didn't make sense for me. And here's the thing, like the old me would have, and I'm not saying drunk, I'm saying the old me would have like killed myself to make that work because in my head, oh my God, I don't want to be mad at me and think I'm a flake and this and that. Today, I simply told her, I can't make this work. I have, I am traveling and I've got this, it doesn't matter, but- I got a podcast to do, girl, I've got like this major commitment and I am just not going to be able to make it work. And you know how (laughs) freeing that was? Because, and then like, it allows me to sit here and be in the moment present with- what is important at the time there's everything in life that you put in your life is important but you if you don't live in that moment then it then what is it takes it takes work because our brains on yeah they're not yeah they're not wired that way so yeah i mean it, it you know it takes work if if you're struggling you know come on in find somebody you know this 12-step program doesn't lie. I mean, I, we see we people see who- Miracles. We see miracles. And if you know somebody, I mean, I say it before, if, if somebody's doing it on their own and they're content and they're doing service work and they're full of joy, awesome. Like, totally. how do you do it? I don't know, but that's great. If you do it that way, I can't. No, I hear you. And I also know too, like, this all takes work, but like I knew at the in the beginning, I- um. I, 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 I'm one that, that thinks like long, like I'm always thinking long term, Right. And I'm like, well, what, what's going to happen with this? And like, you know, this much, I can say this much, like, as long as you literally do stay in the minute, like you have to stay focused in, in the day, because if you start thinking about not drinking or drugging at Christmas birthday, this, like it, you can't think about those things because then you start to get discouraged and and even before you even are able to get sober like if you're thinking about getting sober because you feel like you have a problem like literally 
you got to tell you have to tell someone yep. they tell someone because it it'll help you feel like a release from like that prison and then there's a step in the right direction but just try and tell someone it's it's the toughest thing to do but because we all want to defend defend our drink right mm-hmm. but I guess it just takes a lot of pain to get I guess, I don't know you got to go through it mm-hmm. yeah you got to go through it but when you're ready you know get the cat out of the bag it's it's so, it's really amazing I mean it's it's tough but if if your life is unmanageable because there's something you're doing that is running your you know that's running your world then you, you know you got a problem yeah and there's hope there's hope yeah there is hope yeah there's definitely hope well listen corinne hmm. <laughs> this is so awesome i think this is phenomenal yeah my drop class drop class i love the i love all of the the sayings on the back wall here that's new it is yeah the the boys are gonna think that um i'm uh sexist no because I put them up for a, a woman and I didn't have <laughs> Well, that's good. I think they're a great addition. That's I'm, nice. I'm going to keep... What's your favorite one aside from, from ego, my, ego is, is not, not your, your amigo? amigo. Um, we get what we want when we stop insisting on it. Yeah. Mm. Things happen when you don't... When you don't have to like... You don't have to write the script. Yeah. When you're not writing the script, things happen. And it's awesome. Yeah. It's you get awesome. these presents, like little Easter eggs that come up. Yeah. And they're not even, 99% of the time, they're not physical or no. material. No. That's these the best. little gifts that pop up. So it's unbelievable and it's hard to explain, but it's um, it comes with being clear-minded, being present, mm-hmm. being connected to something greater than us. But... um. So Corinne, <laughs> so listen, really. So you came in. I mean, we didn't even know each other. No. And that's how, that's like. I mean, what a blessing! What a gift! I said it at the beginning. Like really, like it is. Uh, and now, const- you're a friend. Yeah, you we're know? friends. We're friends. That's what you get. That's yeah. what you get. That's what we're, we're lucky. We're blessed yeah. to have that. Yeah. So thanks a million for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you for having Driving me. Driving to. Um, Back to my stomping ground. The garage. Good old Danvers. The studio. We gotta um we gotta work on a couple other people who need to share and offer all their wisdom. I have a couple in mind for you. Two offer, in particular. Offer their wisdom. Because it's tough. You know, it's I don't know. I think it's good. I don't know. I do too. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I get some pretty good feedback, but a million thank yous. Thank you. And I look forward to um, seeing you soon. Likewise. See you around. Yep. We'll continue to talk. You're a great person. You, I can tell you have um, a wonderful spirit. I love it. And uh, it's great. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks, AJ. All right.
Welcome to the studio. Wow. I'm like so impressed with that. <laughs> I think this is great. So, is that a comfortable seat? This is perfect. Perfect. In kind of whatever. Alright, get comfortable here. Yeah. yeah. So then, like, now, like, so now it's like, you know, there's still Corinne is still there, right? Like, Corinne who does it her way. Corinne who thinks she Time knows out. everything. Time out. I gotta go. Oh, go. <laughs> Stay right there. Yeah, I will. And you have to go. Uh, if you have to go, go too. Yeah, I'll go after you. Yeah. We're live. So, um, crazy, right? Yeah. So your mom, unbelievable. So you told me that story, and then I said, what happened next? And then I had to go pee. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> 